members of BTS are there? Seven. <laughs> are you sure? Because I swear from like moment to moment, they slip in an extra dude or two. No, 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 they're seven. OT7 for life. Oh boy. It's, I think for me, like what's, what's strange is most of the boy bands in history have been five. So even with them starting with seven, it seems like they're heavy compared to what it's supposed to be. And it always, I don't know, it always to me seems like broken social scene where sometimes five of them show up, sometimes six of them show up, sometimes there's all seven. I could, I thought there was eight for some reason. No, there's, but there are like K-pop bands with nine, 13. Oh my God. I don't know, man. Like I'm thinking number five, six, and seven in this team don't have a whole lot to do. You know, like it's like a basketball team. They don't get a lot of minutes. But that's the magic of BTS. All of them are equally important and crucial and everyone gets to do everything. Uh, I love it. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 265 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, matinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. So in case you don't know, I've been at this little dog and pony show of mine for a while. A long while. A really long while. One sees a lot of change when you keep at a project for as long as I have. On the one hand, voices that were once constant begin to quiet, and spaces that you used to frequent eventually shudder. But for every variable, there is likewise a constant. Faces and places that can be counted on. They are always there. Their light may dim or their voices may quiet, but they are ever-present and help guide the way through shared passions. Today's guest is the latter. Someone who I'm never completely sure where in the world she is, but I can count on her for always being out there somewhere, spreading good vibes, being a dork, and reminding me that inspiration and joy are never all that far from reach. She can be found on Across the Universe, the Chicks with Accents podcast. We're across a wire to Mumbai this morning. Nick Hazara is here. How are you? I'm good. That was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean it's been it's been so long that that, that i've known you and and yeah. you know it's it's funny because it, it, there's this kind of a class of bloggers and podcasters and and writers like you that i keep thinking in my head why don't you age you know like every time a birthday rolls around and you say the number i'm like didn't you already pass that number how long have i known you i am i have aged a lot <laughs> <laughs> especially the last two years it's been a lot of yeah. miles you know yeah, yeah, but yeah. um my pleasure i'm really happy to still see your work and see your see your voice pop up in my feeds and and have you here it's as i said it's been a long time it's been a very very good time i don't get you on this show nearly often enough for how long i've known you um so i'm always happy that i can bring you by on episode 265 we will be discussing marvel's black widow we will be flipping the record over to play the other side but first we need to learn more about nick this is know your enemy Nick first showed up on this podcast on episode 80, where we discussed Oz the Great and Powerful. We learned that the first movie she ever saw that she can't really remember is some Bollywood film, and the film that she first saw in a theater that she does remember is Titanic. The last film she'd seen at the time was The Virgin Suicides. The worst movie she's ever seen is Legally Blondes. That's apparently the third part of the Legally Blonde trilogy. 
The Unseen Classic or Essential was any Sanjit Ray films. She's seen a few since we first talked. And the film she wished she made was any of the Harry Potters. Then Nick returned on episode 111. We talked about Only Lovers Left Alive. We learned the film everybody else hates that she digs is Space Jam. And I guess you got to be excited. You're getting a sequel. I mean, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's not excitement. The film that everybody else likes that she doesn't is The Hurt Locker. The last film to make her cry is Edward Scissorhands. In the movie of her life, she'd be played by Jenna Coleman. And the movie she was watching next was The Host. Finally, Nick came back on episode 189. We talked about The Last Jedi. We learned the film that made her love of film turn a corner is The Purple Rose of Cairo. Her sick day movie is What We Do in the Shadows. Are you watching the show now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay, good. That, that, yeah, that, that, that show makes me so happy. The movie to leave her speechless, appropriately enough, was Mommy. And we did a whole episode of the Winchester Chronicles dedicated to it. Um, so if you've never listened to that, go listen to that. And last but not least, the film quote that will be her epitaph is The Limit Does Not Exist from Mean Girls. So it's time for round four. Nick, what is a film you really dig, but you never want to watch again? Okay, so I'm going with something quite recent um, that I saw. I think, I don't know if it was this year itself, uh, but it's from last year, which is Dick Johnson is Dead on Netflix uh, by uh, Kristen Johnson, who's a documentarian. And she basically chronicles her father who has dementia. They come up with scenarios in which she has imagined that he will suddenly die and they mm-hmm. reenact it oh god like i had to watch that film in two parts usually i mean yeah. i do often watch films in parts but this one i had to take a break because i was crying so much like it was beautiful it's it's a film you can see the love in it like i can't yeah. imagine why anyone would make this film if not like completely out of love but oh god it did like like it was too much it i was like picturing myself in her shoes i was picturing myself in her father's shoes and it was just like so much to bear if there's a reason i ever watch it again i don't want to think about it so it's Hmm. just it's it, it was it was like a lot but it was beautiful i loved it completely i could not rate it it's so loving it's so it's funny because for a movie about death it's got so much life in it like it's got dance numbers yeah Um, it's got like these elaborate sequences that are so imaginative it is so bright and so lively that it shouldn't be about death and yet that's that's precisely what it has on its mind um yeah. it's it's got some of the most like some of the most beautiful sequences of last year yeah. in this movie and yet yeah you're you're it's about you know a, a man who has lived a successful life he had a successful practice his, his family is all grown he's got a nice home and you know he can tell that he's very sick and that um you know it's it's it, the end is going to come kind of quick but before all of that happens like he wants to do this while he can still remember and while it can still be done and you know it it, death is kind of wrapped around the edges of every single frame but it's just you know for a film that's just got so much death in its conversations and in its thought process it has so much life it's incredible i thought i'd be devastated by the end i wasn't that's that's i guess that's why like it was also so bright but it's just it just 
it just I cried so much. I don't think I can go through that. <laughs> no, it's a that's a great movie. Um, as, as as you mentioned, it is on Netflix, so I'll try to leave a link for it in the show notes because I really do think people should check it out. It was one of the best movies I saw last yeah. year, um, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I and, and yeah, that's that's a certainly a movie I couldn't like just throw on for kicks like i might be able to throw on some of those dance sequences or something just yeah. for the heck of it yeah but i couldn't see myself sitting back down to watch dick johnson is dead just for the heck of it so good call uh what is a movie that genuinely freaked you out okay so i feel like someone must have in your 265 episodes <laughs> given this answer but it is the first one that came to mind and i'm gonna stick with it and it's antichrist nope nobody has what that movie so i have like open wikipedia pages for everything i didn't even open the wikipedia page for that i i have i have suppressed that film from my memory i remember i remember why i suppressed it but i just i don't even want to think about it it just freaked me out so much especially the ending like the last half an hour i was just in horror is it something about the ending that like that plays on your own fears or was it just going through that whole experience? Yeah, I mean, a bit of my fears. Like, I mean, I guess if people don't know, it has like genitalia mutilation involved. I don't want to see that. Mm-mm. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I'm okay with body horror when it's really exaggerated. That was just awful and scary terrifying and it and it's just like it was like a complete feel bad movie like yeah, not well, that, i mean that that's his that's his brand i know right? that that is his brand but i i i i haven't watched the last montreal movie in a while but i used to i actually used to like quite a few of them um but this one was just too much it was too much for me so here's a here's a little confession i've actually never seen it okay i don't know i um, if you if I feel like if you're a completist, um, otherwise well, I will say it's so. Been on my list for like ever, like pretty much since it it came out around not long after I started doing, not long after I started writing, and around the time that I started this podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's always been one of those movies I've been curious about, just because I know that it's one of those ones that like everybody talks about with like that tone in their voice yeah i've heard stories about how um the the, one of the stories i heard was when it debuted at tiff the year that it debuted um a friend of a friend like tore out of the theater because they were like having trouble breathing and when they like got outside and were like finally able to like take some deep breaths they looked like just outside the doors and there was uh, Willem Dafoe having a smoke and like looking back at them, and the the the, the person who would like tore off out of the out of the movie theater was like, "It's good, it's good," you know, like while Willem Dafoe like looked on in confusion. Um, so it, you know, it's it's got all of these, all of these like tones that people talk about. So I'm like, I have always wondered. You know what's the big deal? All I know is a fox, and and, and that's and, and and yeah, what you just mentioned. Like those are the two things I know about this movie. Nothing else. Um, and, oh, and sorry, and I do know about the beginning, um, which I hear is is stunning and terrible all at once. Um, yeah. I, I it's just I just never got around to it. I mean, maybe maybe now that like things are a little bit more settled, I'll, I'll finally like move it up the list so people see this turn up in my 
Twitter feed and my letterbox <laughs> feed, we can point back to this conversation. Okay. Um, but I've I've never actually sat down and, and pulled this Band-Aid off. And in the headspace that I am and I want everyone to be in, I'm like, just don't. Just watch something happy. So, okay, I'm going to, you know what? And I'm going to do it proper. I'm going to wait until like later one night, like after sunset. I'm not going to watch it like in the middle of the day. I'm going to give it yeah. its proper due. I'll, I'll keep my phone off and I'll really sink into it and I'll, I'll i'll scare myself senseless okay all right sounds like a fun sounds like a hoot so much fun nick what is what is your favorite movie soundtrack it's a weird choice because i don't love every song in the soundtrack i feel like that should be the thing but the songs that i do love i love a lot it's um okay. marie antoinette oh okay uh because this the soundtrack also has like a lot of classical music, which I don't really listen to. I listen to all the post-punk stuff <laughs> uh, much more. Um, but yeah, like this, it's I, I there are other, I mean when you came on uh, across the universe, I didn't we do like our favorite music yeah. music in movies? Yeah, so um, you know the, I remember I talked about things like Nicki Nora's playlist and uh, both that rocked. But I don't really listen to those. Like, both that rock still fine, like, 60s music. But I still listen to this, like, my, the songs that I love from this a lot. And I love, I love the way they are used in the film. Oh, um, me too. So, it, for sure, it's, it's Marie Antoinette. It's just, it's, and it's, this is exactly, like, fine. Like, I love, I love BTS. But, like... This is this is my normal genre that I gravitate towards. Funny thing, I over the last two or three years, three or four years, I've realized I was really, really hard on Marie Antoinette when it first came out. Like that movie dropped uh, in two thousand six, yeah, and I really didn't like it. I think I said something like, "What a waste of Versailles!" When I went in for when I first saw it, and as time has gone on, and I've gone back to it, and I think it's partially because um, the latter career of Sofia Coppola has um, hit me so much harder. Like th mm -hmm. this was, I think, this is her fourth movie or her third movie uh, feature. Um, yeah. So it, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't totally on board like i loved yeah. lost in translation and i was just sort of so-so on the virgin suicides mm -hmm. so this was the one to break the tie and and you know the the tie was broken in the side of losing so i wasn't you know and then uh somewhere came after this and i really don't like somewhere i still don't um but watching this movie now i'm so much more enamored with it and so yeah. much more drawn to how much it says without explicitly saying it like it is still very very interested in the look like there's a lot of scenes that happen where not a whole lot of talking yeah gets takes place right like there's a lot of scenes where it's it's people wandering around versailles while this great music plays so i mean that's one thing is like if you're going to talk about a movie soundtrack this is a soundtrack that is instrumental in its movie success yeah um but yeah i've, I've, I've come back around to it including the music like i i did love the music on first blush like i remember thinking to myself the soundtrack is great and god it looks good but i don't know about anything else in between now i know about everything else in between yeah. um and yeah this is a soundtrack you know it's got it's got all the all those classical tracks uh on it that are that are dotted with everything from Aphex twin to the strokes to yeah. adam ant and bow wow wow and yeah. those kinds of uh 
artists. So yeah, you know what? Like that, that's a great that, that that's a fantastic soundtrack that I don't listen to near often enough. I know. I love. I I I can't remember now that we're talking about it. I had read like an article a few months ago, which was about like Sofia Coppola's like the influence of music videos on her career. Oh um, sure. And like how like like especially Marie Antoinette, it was the film for that. Um. So it it's just it's so I just I for me I've I, that's like my favorite Sofia Coppola movie. That's my favorite period film, unless you count Moulin Rouge, which I don't know. It, it just set it apart in a very unique way, especially like I watched this as a teenager. So I, I, I really understood like it, it spoke to me on it, I guess on a different way. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and it's always like, I, I've gone back to that film every time and I still, super duper enjoy it and i love like every time like the music comes my favorite is um when whatever happened plays uh she's in that like blue gown and she's being like so over dramatic and she's like dreaming about jamie dornan obviously so it's just i love it i love all of i love the girliness i just it's unapologetically like girly i love it oh yeah yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic movie and a killer soundtrack. Like yeah. you're making me think. I kind of I'm realizing I I think I kind of want to get the soundtrack on vinyl, but we'll see. Right now I'm I know I don't want to be adding things into my life right now because yeah. I'm going to need to pack it all up soon. But this is one thing that I do want to get my hands on. So I feel like it has a very beautiful um, vinyl, but I have. I'm pretty darn sure of that. I bet you there's also a very beautiful price tag on it. <laughs> but uh, I when when you see when you eventually see that picture on my Instagram. Okay. remember this conversation okay um last but not least for now what is a film you love but seemingly nobody else has heard of this was so hard this was so difficult because i everybody says that and it's never as hard as you think it's no i mean i i can't think of any so i had to go indian because i couldn't think of any non-indian film because cause everything i know is from like blogs and twitter you know and it's how it's like a bunch of people talking about it on blogs and twitter so i can't well, maybe but hold on just to kind of you know circle around this like the, the you know you already mentioned dick johnson is dead and you know what i bet you five bucks like if you ask the average person if they've yeah. even heard of a movie called dick johnson is dead i bet you five bucks they haven't i think but, i mean but that's okay like, average people don't know <laughs> I don't know. I know. I know. <laughs> so I have come up with a, a film. There's this film called Parched. Um, and I chose this because it was like it, uh, I, it actually uh, premiered at TIFF. So it's not like oh. an Indian, Indian film, you know, it's like a, it's like a festival film. Um, it, it's a 2015 film directed by uh, Lena Yadav. And it, it came out, um, it premiered in TIFF. And it's, um, so it's, you know, it's not like a Bollywood film. Um, okay. It's, uh, it's an, Indi- it's just like a film set in India with like, like Indian people have made it, but it's not Bollywood film. Um, gotcha. And uh, I really loved it. It's about uh, these four women uh, who in a rural village, it's a very patriarchal society in which they live, but like the way that, the relationships with each other and with everyone around them, um, how it like progresses to throughout the film. All of them have their own journeys. 
it's too like like complicated to get into the full plot because it's very right. interconnected um uh the reason why i love this film i actually wrote like one of i feel like one of my last blog posts on this um uh because i had also seen two other indian films that were about like women empowerment like one of them it's called angry indian goddesses it's, it sucks it's horrible um it was it was it was almost like they made like a list of like all the problems that a woman can face and they sort of like ticked it one after the other in the film and that's not like what do you want to say this film was extremely empathetic i when you watch it you can imagine like there are women like this who exist who have these sort mm-hmm. of lives and it's it's very like obviously the society is dark but it's also like a very like loving film especially within the relationships that all of them have with each other and like you know it's um so i i i i should like really rewatch it i've only watched it at one time but like it had such a massive impact on me it was like in my top 10 of that year and everything well well you're right i haven't heard of it so i do think yeah. that I've just, yeah. I, i've just added it to my watch list um yeah. and and yeah and like i'm uh it, it's 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 unfortunate because the year after this movie came out was the first year that i started dedicating my tiff um ah. My, my tiff going to exclusively seeing the films made by women and i mean i did see i've seen some great films from from women in india uh since i started doing that just not this one um but yeah th- th- this looks this looks lovely i'm gonna have to i'll add this to my watch list as well this is gonna take me a little bit more time to see than um than antichrist because anti antichrist is on criterion channel i think that that was the other thing is that i knew i could see it any time and it wasn't uh, going anywhere this right now it's not on any of my streaming services but i will add it to my letterbox watch list and hopefully get a little notification when it shows it looks like uh looks like our film our, our friend uh Mitch kowalski has seen it and loved it so yeah. that's you know that that's that's two of y'all really giving it the thumbs up so i, I definitely need to check it out um, I, yeah no good good work <laughs> yay this was so hard. I was just like racking <laughs> my brains for this for the longest time. Yeah. Well, you, you nailed it. So good job. We have a movie to talk about. And we don't normally talk about the blockbusters on this podcast but um you know things are a little bit different right now and even though theaters are about to open back up where where i live things have been very much contained to what we can see from the couch and right now we can see a very very big movie from the couch so we're going to talk about it um right after this it's time to go to the mcu black widow is the new slang for episode 265 Black Widow was directed by Kate Shortland. It was written by Eric Pearson, Jack Schaefer, and Ned Benson. It stars Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, Rachel Weisz, and Ray Winstone. Black Widow is set between the events of Civil War and Infinity War. Avenger Natasha Romanoff, that's Johansson, the Black Widow herself, is a wanted fugitive and on the run. While laying low, she is targeted and dragged back into a life she tried to leave behind. After she is sent a mysterious chemical compound, she follows it back to its source in Budapest, and there she reunites with her adopted sister Yelena, that's Florence Pugh. 
The two strange sisters are both graduates of the Red Room, a deeply sinister Russian school that trains women assassins. Natasha believes she ended the program, but shortly after reuniting with Yelena, she learns it is still very much up and running. The women decide that they must take down the program once and for all, but to do that, they will need the family to reunite. So it goes that they break their father figure Alexei out of a Russian gulag and fly together to a pig farm near St. Petersburg where their adopted mother, Melina, is hiding out. By the way, that's David Harbour and Rachel Weiss. With the family back together, the challenge begins. Combine their skills for maximum efficiency and put all the bullshit aside in the hopes of killing the sinister General Drakov and the deadly taskmaster he commands. For more than 10 years now, we've been following breadcrumbs dropped by Natasha Romanoff in these Marvel movies. There has been talk of red runes, of red in her ledger, of mistakes made and redemption offered. For every one page of her story we have shaken loose, whole chapters have gone unread. Now here we are, but still without the full book. However, with a few more chapters bound together. So pop quiz hotshot, how do you feel about this character now? Do you feel a better understanding of who she is and why she is? Or are you still combing the shelves looking for more chapters? Uh, so I must preface this. So when we discussed that we're going to watch this, what I did was I rewatched all the all the Black Widow films that she's been in. So uh, did I. Oh, and I've not done that in a while. I do have it, It's but it's different than what I had 100% expected. I thought it would be more spy and less action hero, like the way Black Widow in the movie is. I have a better understanding, but I want more, and I know I'm not going to get it. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, an, that's a fair reaction, is that what we see, even though what we see is set back when... Um, she was alive like now that now that this character has been killed and and you know quite permanently killed it seems this doesn't seem like the kind of thing that marvel really is in any urgency to undo Um, even though this is the kind of world where they can undo death given the right set of circumstances um, this one seems pretty permanent Um, we always knew that we to, to get a story about her we were gonna have to go back in time and we couldn't go that far back given the actor who's playing the character right now. Like I know that we could de-age Scarlett Johansson and, you know, put her at age 19 or 17 or something like that and, and really get into the weeds. I don't like that. I don't find that that's a good thing that, that Hollywood should be doing. Um, yeah. For me though, um, to answer my own question, I actually didn't want the chapters um which is good because i kind of didn't get them i watched the seven movies that she features most prominently in over the last um two weeks or so and she often makes these allusions to things that she's done like she's got a very long conversation in winter soldier about like her encounter with the winter soldier there's you know there's a lot of talk about what happened in budapest between with her and hawkeye mm-hmm. and it, it, it's all about like terrible things that she used to do and how it's led to her redemption and her finding this family i didn't want that like i wanted her past to remain very much a mystery and to just kind of you know, nod at it every now and then because for, for a couple different reasons. One, because I thought to myself, it's more interesting mm-hmm. to have 
this person who showed up in her mid twenties and has done some shit, you know, and we just don't, we just don't go over every last little detail. It's really interesting to know that they've seen some things already in their life. Number one, number two, um, you know, including what we, what we learn in the early going of this movie, she's done some terrible things. Yeah. You know, like, like, like it's, it's passed off as I have read in my ledger, but like that red, like that's a really, really shorthand way of saying, you know, I've killed children. Yeah. You know, given everything that we did get, what do you think? Okay, so I chose, you gave me an option between two films. I chose this one being like, it's Marvel. I know what I'm getting. <laughs> it's it's right. it's famously slash infamously, you know, formulaic. So yes. I know what I'm getting. And it wasn't what I was expecting. Especially right. having watched a bunch of Marvel films like just this last week. So right. I was very um, confused initially after watching the film. Uh, but I do like it. It's just a lot. So the best way I can describe it, it's if like Marvel is like this giant TV show. This is like a bottle episode. Ah, okay. That's a good analogy. Uh, so it's just, and I was not expecting that at all. I, I saw the trailer. I don't even remember when, like, I don't even know when the trailer like came out. Two years ago now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's happened since this trailer? So I, I had no, I just knew like, okay, yeah, there's like some family there, but I just didn't have any clues. I didn't, I had no expectations really. I really did think it would be like, because I was watching the Marvel films, I thought like, we will see a bit about like how she became this badass mm -hmm. um uh but that was like my entire like sort of expectation so this film was very different because it's like almost like three or four movies in one i mean it's it's funny because i'm with you this is a movie i've been looking forward to for you know a year and a half now yeah um i i, I really like black widow as a character yeah. and I, I there's a lot that i love about this movie like i i, I love the cast, like the core yeah. cast of this movie is a bunch of actors that I love yeah. every time they show up in a project. Um, and I'm a little, I'm a little bit middling on it. I'm a little bit not cool. Like, I don't think this is a bad movie, yeah. but I'm, I'm a little bit ambivalent on it just because of its piece in the puzzle. You know, it, it's not just a straight up origin story. It's certainly not a sequel. It's this chapter that happens in the middle of a bunch of other chapters that we've already read. Yeah. And because of all of that, it takes a little bit of adjusting in terms of perspective and where we are to really understand it. Like, I wonder, you and I both watched these seven movies this week. Yeah. I wonder now, and I may, well, I'm not going to do it because I, I've just spent a lot of time with Marvel movies and I've got other things I want to do with my time. Yeah. But I wonder now if I were to go back and rewatch those now eight movies that feature Natasha Romanoff with this in its right place, mm -hmm. if I would feel differently about it, you know, um, I, and I, and I wager, I probably would, but to watch them out of sequence, it feels for me as a, as a person who knows those other movies really, really well, it feels a little jarring. It feels a little yeah. cool. And um, it's, it's a very different, it's a good tone, but it's a very different tone than everything else that it's done. Yep. This, this movie revolves around Scarlett Johansson. What did we think of her in this movie? She was good. I, I mean, she was, she maybe got a little bit overshadowed. Um, well, yeah. 
but uh, I have always like re- and we ob- okay obviously not an Iron Man too because she was like quite literally like I think a hot piece of ass in that film, like that was her <laughs> role. That was her role. Um, but I have like really enjoyed her character in like since Avengers onwards, and it and this week was like a reinforcement because she's like she's just like completely human, right? Like she doesn't even have like any special, uh, you know, like arrows or falcon's wings or whatever so she is such a badass that, and i think this film did it like it kept that characterization going really well we also got her right in the moment like like as you see through the films like how she becomes more of an emotional person so mm-hmm. um we got her at that juxtaposition i don't know if it makes a hundred percent sense because she was very very emo and like age of ultron i think it worked well and like sh- uh, the action obviously was great and like she she got to play off as you said like these amazing actors and she can very much hold her own with like i mean sh- sh- look at her entire filmography look like look look at lost in translation so she can do that so i i was like fairly like she she hit the nail where i was expecting it you know yeah i mean she's a very very talented actor like we started this episode talking about sofia coppola and you know she was a talented actor even before lost in translation when you watch movies like ghost world and the man who wasn't there um and it's crazy because you know one of one of her first movies not iron man 2 but in in avengers when she's talking to loki she talks about how she doesn't pedal on emotion she's russian and yet here's a movie where she gets to pedal on emotion quite a lot even though she's surrounded she's literally surrounded by russians um the other thing that i love about this movie that, that you bring up is when you talk about you know, in this universe, how there are gods and there are aliens and there are wizards uh, and there are robots, you know, you've got this spy in the middle of it. And and this movie actually like goes out of its way to point out that, you know, she's not one of the, the quote unquote big ones. Like Yelena, mm-hmm. after, after she kind of, after she and Elena get out of Budapest, Yelena points out, you know, the real superheroes don't need to go to the store for ibuprofen after they fight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I love that this movie goes through those those motions of underlining yeah. these things. Of yeah. here's a person who her her real power is her honed skill set, yeah. and yet she, you know, she is she completely walks into these situations where she is drastically overmatched, and yet you never worry about the fact that she's overmatched because she's her skill set is so good. Yeah yeah she gets to be a little bit more emotional she gets to be a little bit more vulnerable i think that's that's the real advantage of this movie is that it allows her more time to deal with some stuff and not deal with it in the service of another character true yeah like she finally got to be like the the main person right she was always supporting she has like the fifth credit in, yeah. in 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 Endgame, so yeah, you yeah. know she she finally got to be like the hero of her story. So it's interesting because within while I was watching the Avengers, you know, like I was like thinking like if you, because you just watched it in the first Avenger, there's that scene when they're on the bridge when she uses uh, Cap's shield to like jump off and like grab onto 
like a flying whatever like an alien thing yeah, yeah. um right and i was thinking of that and i was like that is like like she reminded me of like at that point of james bond but like mm-hmm. as we'll talk about in uh later on but like a lot of these like the cool action heroes who and as someone who has like horrible hand eye coordination and depth perception like i am like amazed by people who hmm. can calculate those things on the go right. and she is right. that person and it's it was very fascinating to me but but then also because it was in contrast with all these other people right right and i expected this film to be more human to have like a more like a human to human sort of fighting and stuff but yeah. i feel like it's actually the same level of fighting but it's just yeah. that now that the gods are removed it feels like she is like a lot but she's not she's maybe <laughs> the same but it's just that 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 contrast is gone so now that was like a lot to get used to you know like she was like she was like bordering on like i i won't say like a fast and furious or something but like a little closer to that than to like a born you know yeah no, i know what you, i know what you're talking about like all of a sudden it's crazy because all of a sudden she's like a terminator you know like yeah. she goes through these scenes where like she goes through like rooms get blown up and she yeah. just walks away from it and you're like you should not be walking away from that uh, yeah. like, we know that within her realm like that that she's the ultimate badass yeah but we've spent so much time in this higher realm that to see her just you know tear rooms apart yeah it it, it takes some some doing yeah. especially since you know the early scenes they feel more Jason Bourne-esque. Yeah. Like those early, that, that, that all of those scenes in Budapest yeah. feel very, very Jason Bourne. Yeah. Um, and then once we leave all of that and we go to the Red Room, all of a sudden things seem to kind of level up yeah. a few. And it, it it's it's a very disjointed and, yeah. and not what we're expecting. So it, it plays very, very strangely. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, to counter her, we we introduce Florence Pugh into this into this world as her adopted sister Yelena. Um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you loved her. I love, oh, she's the best. I love her. Right? I've I've loved her since I saw Lady Macbeth. Um, I have been a, a huge fan, and she has never disappointed ever. Well, I didn't see the wrestling movie she did. And... Oh, yeah. Same, 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 same. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we would just pretend that that doesn't happen. Yeah. But um, Florence Pugh as Yelena in, into this. I mean, what I love about it is how different the character is. Like, she's so much more of a smartass. Um, it comes yeah. with her being so much younger. Uh, I, I, You know, she's kind of a brat. Yeah. She comes into it with, like, a lot like a similar amount of weight on her shoulders like i don't think that she's done quite as many terrible 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 things as natasha has done yet give it time but she you know you can tell that they have that bond that they're 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 just you know they have a different outlook in the world that you know natasha got out while yelena was still very much in it up until recently mm-hmm. um florence Pugh just kind of owns this movie she does she's amazing she but she's like there's like a, another reason why I'm like not 100% on this movie is that the humor, while it is like Marvel brand, there is like, I don't know, it's slightly offbeat and it's maybe the way she delivers it. You know, there's like a toughness, there's there's like an abrasiveness to it. 
right. that that it's not a hundred percent like you know how like an Iron Man would would say those lines you know like I can't I can't put it in like I don't know how to exactly say but it's it's a little off which is what's so interesting and she brings it like she you can see for her I think a lot of it also comes from like the the sense of like you know like feeling abandoned like mm-hmm. I um like maybe for for uh Natasha it's a lot of like what she's also done but I think mm-hmm. that 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 comes across of uh, of like Yelena's character character a lot more to me and she was just she was she was funny but in in a in a weird I can't I can't put it I can't pinpoint it but it was weird well it's it's funny like I think Natasha has this weary sarcasm whereas Yelena as you know to to kind of go back to my my earlier uh descriptor that that she comes across a little bit more bratty Uh, yeah I mean it's it's kind of at its at its forefront when she's poking Natasha about her pose about her hero pose she's like why do you do that yeah why do you do that and which you realize it is kind of absurd like the second that Yelena brings it up this thing that we've seen her do that's been so cool yeah for 10 years all of a sudden you're like yeah why do you do that yeah yeah, yeah. um but I mean hearing her talk about that that stance and how she's such a poser um it's 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 wonderful like I I love how in this movie that's very much about reckoning with your past Mm -hmm. that it can take these moments to to kind of needle each other you bother your siblings about like the shirt that they chose to wear yeah, yeah. this is this is how superheroes needle each other yeah, yeah. and it and it um, and they they just fit together so well like that was really a great casting because they do also look similar it's it's weird because yeah like you say they're they're supposed to be adopted sisters but you, if they were blood sisters you would buy it yeah as i said like i thought like it went from like a like this like jason borney film to like mm-hmm. then there was like the whole rescue part which i just wasn't expecting suddenly like that level of action because i'm like this is someone who's on the run so right. it seems like yeah. you're really trying to get attention to yourself um and and then it became like this awkward family drama and <laughs> then and then it went full all out marvel right so yeah um it was just like but i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing we're on year 13 of these shenanigans the 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 thing that we need to consider is that we're at the stage where marvel's competing with itself mm-hmm. when when it comes to these stories and how how effectively they work and if i were to kind of compare this movie to anything i'd actually most aptly compare it to what they've been doing now with disney plus and the television shows uh this feels like it's one of those uh those side tangents and my friend andrew robinson has a really good phrase for this that's like a video game term like something like i'm gonna get this or something like that where, where you have to like take the side mission and uh-huh. get the and uh-huh. get the weapon right. um and, I, and I'm, I'm feeling terrible that i can't remember what the term is and he's probably yelling at his headphones right now because he told me three times this movie it's more in a basket with um wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier and now loki and unfortunately when i compare it to those stories i find it a little bit wanting um those stories have a little bit more time because they play over six hours or eight hours this movie's got to get in and out in two and a half um and those are the movies that are most interested in the human side of the story like Mm -hmm. this movie is 
very, very talky. Like we spend yeah. a lot of time with this family talking about their shit. Yeah. And that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm fully in favor of that. Yeah. But unfortunately yeah. we're talking about things we haven't seen, you know, like they're talking about a past that we never fully revisited. We, we got like, you know, five minutes at the beginning of this movie and that's about it. Yeah. Um, and because of that, like, I feel as though we're missing a lot of the context. Like if we'd seen some of the things that they'd done or some of the things they'd gone through, or if there just wasn't so bloody much of it, because that's the thing, like they're, they're dealing with a lot of baggage. If they dealt with like one piece of this baggage for a few minutes, it yeah. might've landed a little bit more. But for me, all of that talkiness was good. It's it, I, I do. I want to be clear. I do want to see more of that in my, in my franchise films, but it, it felt a little off. Mm -hmm. Do you think this would have been better as like a TV show? Cause I've been, like that's that's the thought that I had. As that... a TV show, this would be incredible. Yeah, um, because the scenes where they're talking are fantastic. Like yeah. they've got wonderful emotion and tenderness and honesty when the girls are talking with Rachel Vice or when they're talking with David Harbor. Like there's a lot of regret in their in their conversations and in their body language mm -hmm. um, and in their cadence, but it it's sort of the road to get there after we've watched this Jason Bourne beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and after we go to this, you know, where the red room happens to be like, yeah. that's, you know, that that's the thing too, is if the red room was a more, <laughs> pardon the pun, grounded yeah. setting, mm -hmm. um, it probably wouldn't feel as fantastical and mythical as it does, but where we end up going, it just, it feels like such a departure compared to the, you know, James Bond, Jason Bourne movie that we've been watching for two acts. Exactly. Yeah. Like this movie was made as like fan service, right? Like there's something that the fans have wanted for the longest time. Mm -hmm. um, but it's such an like the movie itself is so not fan service. -y. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so weird. That's also like a disconnect. Um, they just, I, I think this would have just worked better if it got time to breathe. I think we just got too many things in a very short amount of time and too many like good things on their own. But that's why, yeah. like, that's why it's, it's hard to say that I dislike it because I like those elements. I just yeah. don't know if they go together perfectly. Oh yeah, I, I, I like this film. I just, you know, some of the other films that we've talked about already, I love. Right, like yeah. my my favorite Marvel movie of all is one that features her quite prominently, and that's The Winter Soldier. So that's the thing is like I'm yeah. in my head. I was I, I think when I when I was th like thinking what I was going to be getting into, I had The Winter Soldier mm -hmm. on my brain, and this is not that movie. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned like how we wanted this movie for so long, and how for for some ways it kind of seemed like it was going to be fan service. If you want a really clear indicator of how far we've come with this character and what we have decided to do with her movie look at just the look and design of this woman and this character when she shows up in this universe mm -hmm. and the look and the design and the demeanor of her in this movie it is drastically different like she is showing no skin she is never as styled as she is in that first movie um yeah. you know like she's that first movie like she's very clearly designed with fanboys in mind yeah this is much more a woman who gets the job done yeah for sure you know which i like i do i do i like it too
it's she's yeah. she's very cool <laughs> however the one flaw that i do have to bring up that i can't really forgive this movie and i think it is one of the things that leads it to drop a few points when i think about like a score and where it rates and where it ranks and i've said this before about movies i do enjoy um is there is a pretty big lack of stakes in this movie um you know it's it's set in the middle of the stories that we've already seen Mm -hmm. so and this is not a spoiler to anybody who's going to see it we know our hero is going to survive you know we don't know these other characters very well in in what in what else we've seen and how they inform us so we're either reasonably sure that they're going to survive or if they don't it's not going to change a whole lot of what we see going forward like that's the other thing too is that it's not like there was a drastic shift in attitude of Natasha in the middle of what we've already seen. Mm-hmm. And we're about to understand why there was a shift, you know, like it, it, and that that's if her, if her mother figure, if <laughs> Melina had, had died in this movie and when she turns back up in the MCU, all of a sudden there's this inherent sadness in her, this would have been very, very different, you know, or if her father figure had died, mm-hmm. this would have been very, very different. Without that, it's it's kind of hard to really to to really care. I think about when um, when Infinity War ended, and a bunch of those characters turned into dust. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew that some of those characters had more movies coming. Yeah. So it you know that that's and it, it makes it really hard to like that event should have been catastrophic. Yeah. And without the outside knowledge of they're getting more movies, it would have been. Yep. But knowing you know like knowing that natasha is going to be fine at the end of this movie um i I, it's hard it's hard it's hard to really get invested of oh my god are they going to be okay i that that infinity war thing is like maybe my biggest gripe with marvel or any movie ever it just it angers me every time i think about it i was obviously like the newer characters i was more interested in i obviously knew where she was heading that like i mean i don't that played differently for me because i was the film like it was going to it gave it her like sort of like a heroic send-off but like it's it was so tragic because i know what's coming and it just i didn't feel uh the way it wanted so it's it's not it's not spoiling too much to to point out that the post credit scene in this movie is is wrapped around her death and i think that is actually my biggest surprise i try to take these movies as they are i try not to come in with like expectations or what i think they should be mm-hmm. or anything like that but what i was most surprised at was i really thought that this movie was going to be framed with her death like we were yeah. going to be having you know because they didn't have time in the in end game to really mourn her to really honor her life because shit was still going on when she died so yeah. i thought that this yeah. was going to be the proper send-off and it's not really spoiling anything to say it's not you know yeah. we start this movie at the time that the, the story happened we end that we properly end this movie when the next story was about to begin um, it now nestles very perfectly within these movies just kind of like captain marvel in a different place in the story in the timeline um and that that to me i think would have been a stronger movie is that if you're going to have a movie that has a drastic lack of stakes where all the characters generally speaking are fine 
that it might have been a stronger choice to treat it as a requiem and have Yelena show up into the present mm -hmm. and talk about, you know, and tell the story of something that the rest of the team didn't see exactly. and, and honor her that way, you know? Yeah. I know. I, I, there is like, um, there's this uh, uh, article by film critic Hulk. He's like, he's been recapping Loki and for episode four, he called it the post-credit industrial complex, which is all I could think of because it, it's just, I mean, fine. We watched it like we had the option of watching it on Disney Plus and like, you know, forwarding through the credits. But I can just imagine like sitting for like 10, like, you know, like it would have felt so empty for like 10 minutes waiting for that, like whatever emotional release we did manage to get. I didn't get like an emotional release at the end i thought like it just i felt quite like it was like a downer ending more than like a heroic ending for me yeah um, i mean i could i could watch a whole like 30 minute episode of a tv show where yelena gets the news yeah same all, all of you them know? like all i wanted yeah. everyone's reaction you know um and that was like definitely like i for me the biggest disappointment like fine like i mean that's like the villains are always a big disappointment in marvel films um but uh like this was maybe like my least favorite thing about the film was like the the actual ending and not like what they did with the post credits which should like i don't know they should have divided it somehow or done something cuz obviously then they had to drop in the big the big easter egg tidbit whatever well, I mean, it's funny. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the ending in in two specific terms, just because we are trying to avoid spoilers of of where this movie goes. Even though, as you know, as we've said, everybody in this movie is fine. Um, mm -hmm. But the one thing that is weird about the ending of this movie is there's a scene missing. You know, we took, we we're we're in a world where these movies exist, and then we stick around for ten minutes for an extra scene. Yeah, but the in in the you know we start this movie of her running away from civil war and we end this movie with her walking into infinity war but in between the two there's a moment where she is about to basically be arrested mm -hmm. and we cut to black yeah I'm like there you you uh, so you know if i didn't know better and i i don't really know better so i could end up eating this I would say that they left that scene out so that they can explore that story later, but it's not, it's not enough of a story beat that you would really turn it into a whole yeah. show or movie. And yet at the same time, the fact that it's not there is really, really upsetting. True. I, I had to, yeah, my brother and I, we both have like conflicting views of what happened. Um, so it's just it was it was for sure like really random also because there was like that scene missing like the actual ending felt incomplete or like i don't know tragic to me um, it was unsatisfactory yeah it was really you know the movie now it's it's weird because the movie could have ended the movie could have ended when it cuts to black yeah um, or could have ended with that with that post credit scene but to add in that extra scene in between the cut to black and the and the credits I was like, okay, wait a second. You've just now, you know, now you're. You, we've, as I brought up in my introduction, this is a character who always has chapters missing out of her book, and you just tore out another chapter. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, it's it's a good movie. I'm happy with what I got. Um, I I think some of what we're feeling is 
related to not seeing it in the theater um, because this is the first one of these that we're all forced to watch on our couch. Um, well, generally speaking, America gets to see us in a theater, so yeah. good on you guys. Um, but I think part of it is not being able to see this in a theater. I think part of it is having to wait a whole year to, to see it and to have some of these other stories fill in the gaps. Um, it's good, but it I, like I, I, I'm not... It's not like over the moon, holy crap, you must see this. It's a game changer kind of good. Yeah, I think if any, so. I mean, this is, you have to see it for Florence Pugh. Because yes. uh, it's also like, I mean, the the most fan service thing about this film is like, we're, like she, we're setting up that character um, yeah. now. So if th- that's like the biggest like as I said, it's like it's like a bottle episode, but like that's where like the the usual like MCU world like episodic thing comes in. Um, you know, like you have to see her over here to be able to like get what happens with her later, sort of. A thing. Well, one last thing that I'll say about this world and this universe and how these things work and how they you know how how they all fit with shows and movies and whatnot is they they they've got a bunch of different ways that they introduce new new characters there's sometimes where they just introduce a new character for 30 seconds at the end of a movie there's sometimes where a character just gets their own film and there's sometimes mm-hmm. where a character is another piece of a previous movie before they become before they get kind of kind of pushed to the front and i find that that yeah. last method is the one that works the best yeah. Um, to, to have a character be a part of a, of a larger story before they kind of step to the forefront. So, you know, if Florence Pugh had just shown up um, as, as the new Black Widow going forward and been like, oh, I was Natasha's sister, didn't you know? Like, yeah. that, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have worked very well. Seeing her this way and getting introduced to her attitudes and where she's come from and her relationship with her sister, now going forward, I'm going to be able to appreciate her that much more than if she had either just shown up stone cold or shown up as a cameo. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. We end every matinee cast here with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If we could take away from this movie and keep, we would. Nixara, what would be your uh, souvenir from Kate Shortland's Black Widow? So you mentioned this earlier. Oh. It's, it's the posing line and the fact <laughs> that after that I noticed all of the poses. Like she even does the whole like, you know, the cool, cool guys don't look at explosions thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it was because of that line that I just noticed it throughout. So. Yeah, yeah. You, you suddenly in your head you think about every time yeah. that Natasha Romanoff has done that pose. It's a, it's a really funny way to, to pull it off. I did enjoy that. Um, my souvenir is something far more tangible. I thought actually it was going to be yours, so I was I was expecting you to take it. I want that vest. The vest, yeah. I know. I was like, it, it, it was. I was like, should I go for the vest? So I'm like, no. The posing line just made me laugh so much. It's so cool. It has lots of pockets. So many pockets. The vest. You know. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of thing. Like what I love about the vest is it's it's one of those moments where like the siblings are arguing over something so stupid. Like, yeah. Have you ever argued with your brothers over like you know? whether or not your outfit looks good all the time all the time. yeah you know and that's I, I love that that's in this movie that yeah. she bought herself something and she's like why'd you buy yourself that yeah it's 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 all it's always like an unnecessary argument that just like you yeah. know in the end you just agree but you just have to like like sort of like poke that person for a little bit so definitely yeah we rate here on a scale of one to four stars in the matinee cast nick zara what do you give marvel's black widow on a scale of one to four I will give it three. 
Yeah, uh, me too. I, it was enjoyable. The villain was lacking as per usual, but mm. um, I, I mean, I guess like he was a symbolic villain more than anything. If that in that way it makes sense, but like you know, we got like I like I really do adore this. Uh, I mostly adore this character. Like some films, she's not the best, but but I think it was like a good showcase for her. And like obviously, we got introduced. We didn't talk much about like Rachel Wise and um, David Hobb, but they were they were good. Uh, Rachel Wise less so. I think she was really underutilized. He was really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, yeah, he got to he got to over. It's it's weird because he got to overact and she underacted. Yeah, and once again, like I feel like there's a whole other story coming with these characters. I know. I wish. I know. I wish there was like more of that. That was. I love. I love awkward family dinner scenes. They are like. The oh best. yeah. So yeah. um. So there was, and obviously, like Florence Pugh is really like. I mean, she did, very almost steal the spotlight. I would say. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Like when you have a movie that people have been waiting for for so long and a character almost steals it from the main character, that's, that's a sign that you, you've done something very, very strange. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure like, I, I'm going to rewatch this movie. I'm certain of it. Um, and, and I'm sure that it'll play better when I can watch it in the right order eventually. But right now, um, there's a couple things about it that just don't quite click and, they're just kind of coming off. Marvel was just kind of coming off such a really amazing run of movies that there was, you know, eventually it had to dip a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I do recommend this movie, but it's just, it's not any kind of game changer, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. Not all these movies have to be game changers. Yeah. Hey, maybe you love this movie. Maybe you think it's one of the best ones they've ever done. Maybe you hate this movie. Uh, let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA, or facebook.com slash dark matinee. What do you think of Kate Shortland? Black Widow, we are going to take a very quick break here and uh, come back on the other side right after this. We're back. She's Nick Zara. I'm Ryan McNeil. Matinee Cast 265, we've been talking about Black Widow. It's the other side. It's the time where we flip the record over. We talk about further reading, further viewing, um, other stories you could go on to that are um, thematic um, companions to our main feature. Um, why don't you get us going? What is what is the first thing you thought of that somebody could go on to after watching Black Widow? So, I, I mean, I'm, I mentioned it already. Originally, um, like in the previous films, I was definitely thinking of Bond. But when mm. uh, it's Black Widow, it's it is Jason Bourne, and I actually rewatched Bourne Identity before this because I don't like I've seen the films, but I've seen them all like together, and they are like one big movie in my head. Um, so, uh, but uh, it it's actually really interesting because there is a point in the Bourne Identity when he's talking about like how. Um, uh, he knows, like, he's sitting in this room, he doesn't know his name, but he knows, like, things like how much a guy weighs and how fast he can run without, like, losing breath and this and that. Which, as I was saying, like, I that is something that fascinates me about action heroes is how they are able to, like, calculate these things and right. do them, uh, which, like, which she does all the time. That is just, like, what's, like, wonderful about like action movie characters and like Jason Bourne it 
fits better because then there's like the Yelena side of it too because you know a lot of what he has done has not been under his control and she is very much in, sort of on that boat in this film like when she's just sort of getting out of it um so either like the entire whatever the entire trilogy i don't know about the last two films i haven't seen the last two before, <laughs> but the uh, trilogy or like the first one um you can pair with this i think I, it's funny because i always remember that trilogy i i try to pretend that the last two films don't exist yeah. um i've and actually i haven't seen i haven't seen the final one i have no it, it, may, it may be citizen kane i don't know um, <laughs> but i i've seen the born legacy where they tried to hand it off to jeremy renner um jeremy yeah. renner like you know the the hollywood tragedy of the man who two different franchises seemed poised to hand themselves off to him yeah. and he got you know scuttled both times yeah. um i so I've, I've never seen that last one but those first three films um born identity born supremacy and born uh ultimatum that to me is a perfect trilogy where each film gets better than the film before it and <laughs> i i know exactly like i mean it's funny because when those films dropped um everybody was kind of caught off guard about how Matt Damon could be a badass. Mm-hmm. You know, he, it was, he wasn't the kind of actor who was in these kinds of movies. So you really didn't see him as a kind of guy who could yeah. take a whole room apart with his bare hands. And yeah, I'm, I'm like you, like, I, I don't, I don't think I could win in a fight. So to see somebody <laughs> who can so yeah. easily is always so entertaining to me. Exactly. It's not just even fight. It's like how, like as I said, like um, I, this is not a Bond thing. This is a Bond film because this is exactly this is what came. Do you remember Inspector? This is yeah. not exactly Inspector when he jumps like that roof falls and he like falls. You know, it's not just how it's it's knowing exactly where you land so that you don't die or like fatally injure yeah. yourself. That is just mind blowing to me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know that that's something they teach in, like, self-defense classes and martial arts classes. Like, yeah. they teach you how to take a fall. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of person who, like, if I just, like, trip over, like, a, a crack in the sidewalk, I'd be like, get the yeah. nurse. You know, so I, yeah. I, I'm, always, I'm always amazed with how people can fall. Um, and, yeah. and the other cool thing about Bourne is Bourne really influenced mainstream action. Yeah. Um, in this century in, in, a, in, in a way that's very, very tangible. Like movies before that didn't really look the same kind of way. And you can see those fights you in can. Black Widow. Yeah. You see, even in, even in like what I would call like the lesser of the three Bourne movies, the first one, the action is still incredible. Yeah. Um, it's so, so yeah, it, it's definitely all over this movie. Do you have a favorite of them? I, I really have to rewatch them because I just, as I said, I've seen them all in one go and they are like, oh, yeah. this, like they're like this, ex- essentially the same movie in my head three times with slightly different stakes, but I really have to rewatch because it's like, there is like that one uh, British actor sort of who's the other assassin. Then there are like those like character right. actors who are the government agents. So, and it just interchanges in every film. That's how well, I think that's- that's one of the things I love is that the the the, the counter operative in every one of those movies goes on to be somebody big because it was Clive Owen in the first one, yeah. it's Carl Urban in the second one, and then Daniel Bruhl in the third one. And you're like, like great job casting, boy. I know. I have to I have to rewatch those. I really do. My memory is uh, also like 2020 is like destroyed my memory. Oh yeah. Oh no so. kidding. 
Well, my first other side, I thought about the fact that in this movie, Yelena sends her sister something that she's trying to get out of harm's way, and her sister brings her right back to where she doesn't want it to be. And I, was, I when when that happened, I was like, I've seen this before. So I had to go back to the movie where that happens most prominently. I thought about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Huh? How? Okay. Oh, okay. So Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, part of the big driving force about that movie, it's the movie where... Uh, the Nazis are trying to get the Holy Grail and Indiana Jones and her, his father have a, an inkling as to where this treasure may be. So his father, played by Sean Connery, yeah. has this journal, has this diary where he's collected ah, all of these ah. pieces and ah, yeah, all of these artifacts and pieces that he knows, about, including a map to where it would be into into this journal and when he gets captured by the nazis he sends it to his son he gets it out of harm's way and mails it all the way over to him in america and his son unbeknownst to the fact that that's why he got it takes it all the way back yeah put it right in the middle of harm's way again and i I, like i always remember the scene of like he's like oh my son wouldn't have bring that thing right back to you i I put it safely with him he's like you didn't do that did you Oh, you did. It was, that was what I love when, when, you know, when she shows up with Yelena. Yeah. And Yelena's like, why are you here? He's like, oh, I thought you were sending me a message. She's like, no, I was sending you stuff to get it out of here. Why did you bring it back? You know, it was, it was, it was a great little story beat that I'm like, I know where that was done uh, before. Yeah. Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's, I always talk about the Indiana Jones movies about how there are two perfect movies and two movies that are just okay. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the perfect movies. Like this is as perfect as Raiders of the Lost Ark um, yeah. because what they're going after is great. The villain is great. They, yeah. you know, he's kind of at his best when he's fighting Nazis. Um, and, and he gets <laughs> Sean Connery to play off in that movie. So I you know, know. It, it's kind of like you know, you've got the family connection in the movie yeah. too. Like True. Black Widow is about sisters. Last Crusade is about a father and a son. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it'd make a great double feature. That would, that would. That makes sense. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. What else did you have to go along with Black Widow? So going off of Sisters, uh, mm-hmm. I have chosen another film in which Florence Pugh plays a famous sister who almost outshines her more famous sister, which is Little Women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's. I mean, it's just about like just if just what if you love Florence Pugh in this. You will like watch Little Women because she makes like one of the most hated characters absolutely lovable. And that is amazing. I mean, it's her and Greta Gerwig doing it together. But that I mean, I'm still in awe that like she made Amy March so likable. Um, she made her likable, but she's still Amy March, and you still really don't like her. I know I did, and I used to hate, but like it's it's something about her. It's something which is so weird because if you if you watch like Lady Macbeth, she is absolutely awful in that, but she yeah. also can bring like such warmth to like these like famously like prickly characters. Um, it's 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 a very unique like she ha- I don't know there's like something like very grounded about Florence Pugh, and she she brings like a like a new life to such characters, um, so I think in that way like if you are like a fan of Florence Pugh and you want to see her be an awesome sister, <laughs> watch 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 Little Women. Have you ever seen um, the Outlaw King with uh, Chris Pine? No. 
because I know she's in that too. And it's one of those things where I wonder how big her part is because I don't want to watch, like, I know it's a long movie Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be watching it just for her to show up for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, true. I haven't seen it. Because it's, it's, it's about know. it's about the same. It's like isn't it the same story as Braveheart? Isn't I think so. Yeah, yeah, pass. And you're like you're like yeah, we've done that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Florence Pugh. I mean, I loved her in Midsummer. I loved Little Women. Lady Macbeth is a movie that I think is criminally yeah. underseen. I'm pretty sure we brought it up on this show before, but I will I I, I will like beat the drum of lady Macbeth um really loud i I think that's a movie that everybody should see um she's an incredible talent like she's she's really young she hasn't been around very long um so that's kind of one of the things i love is that we're kind of like what we saw in scarlett johansson in you know the early part of the century like we're getting in on the ground floor and we're seeing this talent like at the start of her career yeah you know so I, i i do love that about her and she finds she finds a way to like take people who you love and give them this darkness and find people who you hate and give them these lovable qualities. It's really a, a, just a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Agreed. Well, my other, other side was a movie I watched uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago and had it very much on my mind um, as I've been watching the other Marvel movies leading into this. And certainly as I was watching this one, it's a documentary from last year by April Wright and it's called stunt women. The Untold Hollywood Story. Have you seen this? No, I have not. So, you know, try to brace yourself for a big surprise. It's all about stunt women. Um, <laughs> and talking about the the lives and the careers of some of the women who have been in some of the most iconic action movies of the last, you know, 40 or 50 years. And the kinds of things they go through. So, I mean, it's crazy because you watch these movies and... They've become really, really deft at uh, cutting their stunts and staging their stunts in a way that you don't necessarily get drawn out of them and think, "Oh, that was a that was a stunt person." Mm-hmm. You know, like they're they're really good about using like the backs or using a wider shot or using like the way the hair falls, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, watching stunt women and seeing like the various women that played all of these iconic parts, like all of these superheroes that I've grown to love Mm -hmm. um, and hearing them talk about their careers and what they go through and all that jazz. It's really, really amazing. Um, Of course, you know, there's the regular amount of sexism and patriarchy. Like they don't get paid the same amount as like a stuntman does their, their careers have a different arc than Mm -hmm. the average stuntman does. They're not taken as seriously. Um, but one watching them and how they go through some of these stunts and how they train. Um, it's really uh, cool to see really empowering to watch how they, how they go about these things. Just listening to them talk shop as well. Like I'm the kind of person who you could get like 10 carpenters <laughs> to sit down and, and film them about carpentry. And yeah. I find it really interesting, Yeah, you know? Um, so, so listening to them talk to each other, about the stunts they've done and about the cat, like, you know, what they've done, they, they bring up the fact that one of the things that's become, that, that's a challenge is when a smaller actor is cast in the role, mm-hmm. they have a challenge because then they can only take a stunt woman who's like the same size. Right. 
right. you know, so it's it's not like, you know, if, in, if it's a Game of Thrones, they've got no problem because a lot of these women are big, mm-hmm. right? It, but it, it's like when, you know, when, when somebody like Florence Pugh, because she's not yeah. very tall and she's yeah. not very big, when she gets cast as an action hero, it's like, okay, who do we have that's like right. five foot six right. and can take a fall? Right. Um, it's a great documentary. I really highly recommend it yeah. by April Wright. Um, Stunt Women, The Untold Story. It's It's on demand. Um, I watched it on a platform called Hoopla, um, which is like tied to um, libraries here in Toronto. Um, so people look around. It's 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 like I mean it's on iTunes, it's on Google Play. If you want to throw some money at it, and it's it's really good. Sounds really awesome. Yeah, even I, I've become very interested in how people do things. So I this sounds this sounds and like obviously like I mean the first person that came to my mind when you mentioned was like Zoe Bell. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, it sounds really cool. I will definitely check it out if I can see it. For sure. And I mean, the other thing too, just to kind of tie all this off, is if somebody wanted more of Black Widow, but better, I'd say, is just go on demand uh, and watch The Americans on FX. <laughs> I was going to mention it. I forgot. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that's another thing. If this was like a TV show, like maybe we would have gotten like an like an Americans version of a Marvel movie or Probably. a Marvel character. Yeah, that would have been, been great. Yeah, we would have loved it. Um, and I mean, even Marvel actually even did this. They they did. Um, we're, we're setting a world record for digressions on this episode, <laughs> but they they did their own version of the Americans, but with scrolls. So there's a family of scrolls that are, that have like infiltrated ah, Earth. Right. You know, yeah. it's so that it, it and it's just a short little it's a short little arc. It's like five issues. That's it. But it's a great story. Called and I think it's called Meet the Scrolls. Um, so you know they can do it. They've got the story. They just got to go in there and decide to film that. Well, that is episode two sixty five of the Matinee Cast, and I'm so grateful that Nick came by and talked about Black Widow with me. Come on back on Monday, July twenty sixth for episode two sixty six. I'm not sure yet what we're going to discuss, um, but theaters are reopening in Toronto. So um, I'm actually really looking forward to it because odds are whatever we discuss on 266, it's going to be something I see in a big screen for the first time in a year and a half. And I'm really looking forward to it. Nick can be found on the Across the Universe podcast, The Chicks with Accents. What do you got coming up that you want to plug? Oh, so we have episode 99 coming up. This is, I mean, on, on, on one hand, it's embarrassing because you're saying 265 and we are like on our seventh year with 99. But we do have, and there's a special guest and I don't want to spoil it, but you have to listen to it to know who it is. I am, I'm, can't wait and i'm so proud that you guys are on the cusp of 100 episodes that's amazing yeah. uh listen there's a lot of podcasts out there that can't get to episode number five <laughs> so if you're on 99 that is an absolute win and and if people want to get bombed with bts content where can they find you on twitter oh yeah at nikad underscore said i am trying to actually reduce it a bit like i'm no, trying to, no, i'm trying to read I'm trying to retweet. I'm trying to retweet less and just like things because I'm like I'm like uh, am I just annoying everyone too much now? But nope. uh, yeah, like oh, that's a that's a that's it's like BTS films and like horrible th- social political things happening in the world. Like that's my Ain't nothing wrong with that. And, <laughs> and, the, and, and, the, and the occasional selfie. I like it. Yeah. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them in the usual places, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Pocket Cast, Blueberry, 
Uh, everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. There's some new spaces as well. Tune in, Radio Public, CastBox, and Podchaser. If there's a platform that I have not mentioned, just drop me a dime and I'll put my show on that platform. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Black Widow or any of the other movies or shows we've talked about today can be left in the feedback in the comment section of the site. You can email me, Ryan at the matinee.ca. On Twitter, I am matinee underscore CA. If you want to see tweets about books uh, and, uh, and, and, get a, and get a song every morning. Uh, and uh, there's always Facebook, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, Mr. Just that. Thank you so much, Ryan, for calling me back. It's on episode 99, our podcast, but you are the one who gave the idea for it. And as like in the beginning, the way you were describing me, that's how I think of you. Like I actually like genuinely remember the first post you commented on my blog. It was like it was like something to do with an Arctic monkey song. So mm. it just it brings me like every like as you said like on your Twitter like that the fact that you post songs every day all of that reminds me of all of this. So you are like the north star in my film Twitter world. So thank you oh, so you're much. You made me blush. You made me blush in the beginning, so now I'm taking revenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sweetest revenge I've ever seen. Thank you so much for Nick. I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.